Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you and to, to see you in person. I'm really enjoying the series, They Devoted Themselves. I want to ask a question to you. Do you know what is one of the most universal practices that every religion shares? In our world, there are many different religions, many different belief systems that people give their lives to. But there is one common practice, and it's the practice of prayer. There are various chants and memorized prayers and prayers that have to happen at a specific time of day for some belief systems. But Matthew 6 says, when you pray, do not heap up phrases, multiply words, saying the same things over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking, but do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. You see, prayer is relationship. And I want to focus on that for a few minutes. Because I'm in a relationship with Greg, I don't need a schedule to talk to him or memorize lines. So sometimes we do need to have a schedule because life gets busy, but generally speaking, we don't. But we share our hearts with one another, and because we're in covenant and we trust one another, see, our relationship it's normal, it's not, a, it's not a formal relationship. Now there are different types of prayers that we pray. We pray prayers of thanksgiving. We pray prayers of need and desperation. And we pray prayers for comfort. But prayer at its core is simply communication with the lover of my soul, with the king of kings, the one who I know because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, the one under whose wings I find refuge and peace. You see, prayer is meant to be normal, not a formal ritual. But how often do we hear believers and unbelievers alike saying, if you think about me, pray for me, send a prayer to the man upstairs, I pray it all works out. We've all heard those and Sometimes we can just take those as a, as a glib statement. But inherent in us is a God-given awareness that there is something more powerful than us. Yeah. You see, we were created for relationship with Jesus. And I think even when we don't yet know it, there's, there's a something in us, there's a desire to connect with somebody and someone greater than ourselves. You see, there's a, there's a longing, and I think we, can, we all know this as we sit here today, but there is a longing. Sometimes it's not yet identified, but in everybody, there's something in us that wants to connect, and people will turn to different objects of worship, but it's rooted, I believe, in a desperate need to connect with God. You see, prayer is so much more than just asking and receiving. It is that too, but it's, it's more than that. And we sit here today, I love the testimonies, by the way. What an awesome testimony today. Those testimonies are so encouraged, encouraging. So we, I think if we went around the room, we'd find we all have testimonies of prayers that have been answered, as well as prayers not answered yet. Or maybe you have a story of something you prayed for and it wasn't answered the way you had hoped for. 
But we don't stop communicating with God. We don't stop talking to him because we're in a relationship with him, because we trust him above the answer to prayer, though he loves to give those. But I will continue to trust him and declare victories in his name because of who he is, because I know his character is good. And I just wanna say there are still battles to be won. There are still victories that we are gonna walk in because we prayed and we agreed with who he is. So what differentiates our prayers from, or what's different between somebody who knows Jesus and somebody who doesn't? What differentiates prayer life? Because many, many people have, have prayer lives. You see, I think how every religion prays depends on the perspective that you have of who you're praying to. See, many pray out of fear and obligation, and even people who love Jesus, when there isn't a revelation of his amazing grace, of his love. I've met and I have dear friends who love the Lord with all their heart, but most of the prayer is the right thing to do because there isn't yet a revelation of his love. But when we understand his amazing grace, and if you've been at Northlands for any amount of time, you will know that we are passionate about his grace. But when we understand this, we pray from a place of knowing that we are deeply loved. We pray from this place of trusting him with our lives. Hebrews 4.16 in the Passion Translation says, but now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. See, prayer is communion with God. It's communion with a friend. I'm talking to a friend. I'm talking to a father who loves me. And I cannot come boldly into the presence of someone I don't love and trust, but I come boldly into the presence of someone I know loves me and who I trust. I don't come boldly into the presence of someone I'm afraid of or someone who might judge me or who might hurt me. I will come timidly, I will come with fear, but I will not come boldly to receive mercy. You see, we were created to have this relationship with the Father, and he said, come and sit next to me. Let's have a look at Ephesians 6. God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You see, he said, I love you so much, I've made a place for you to come and sit next to me. Come and share in my victory. Gareth Elkin in his book, Prayers from the Throne of God, highly recommended if you haven't read it yet. It says, what does prayer from the throne of God look like? It is made with the sound of resurrection authority because prayer from the throne of God comes from the other side of the completed victory of Jesus. It flows in opposition to the very things that stand in our way here on earth. When we pray, seated in victory, our prayers stand in opposition to the things of this world. And it's from this position that when we are seated in victory, rooted in love, that we get to pray. In the last two weeks, Greg covered devotion to the apostles' teachings and the kind of doctrines that apostles should be teaching. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This happens when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. 
And if the word of God dwells in it, us richly, it will affect our prayer life. You see, our, our prayer lives are supposed, there's a simplicity to them and there's incredible power to them. But our prayer life should be rooted in the word of God. Last week, we talked about being devoted to the breaking of bread. And this is both a mark of friendship and I think we all long to sit around a big table with friends and family again. But it is also remembering and celebrating what Jesus did on the cross when we break bread together and share communion. Let's look at our key scripture for this series. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to pray. This next verse, I think, is so key. It says, and a sense of awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles. You see, in unity and in prayer together, what did they do? They set a foundation for the supernatural. They devoted themselves, and what happened when they devoted themselves? It says, many signs and wonders were performed through the apostles. See, unity in prayer creates an atmosphere for the supernatural and for the kingdom to manifest. I believe, and I know you do too, that the most powerful thing we can do right now is pray for our nation. The most powerful thing we can do is pray for our nation. You see, disunity or unbelief is an obstacle to signs and wonders. It said each one made a decision to devote themselves. So I, I can encourage you. I can say it's a really good idea that you pray. And this is how I suggest you pray. This is, this is what you should be doing. I can encourage you greatly, and we should be encouraging one another. But I cannot devote you to pray. Each one devoted themselves to pray. See, devoting myself means that I give myself seriously and passionately to that cause. Devoting myself is not a casual inquiry, though the Lord hears those as well, because he's that good, and he loves when we share little things with him. But devoting myself to prayer means I'm devoting myself to something that will change my life and my circumstances. See, I'm devoting myself to partner with heaven, to move mountains, to rebuke the enemy, to release favor, and blessing and healing. That's what I'm devoting myself to in prayer. I'm devoting myself to remind the Lord of his promises towards me. I'm devoting myself to stand with others in unity and speak to dry bones and command life, to lay hands on the sick and command healing. I'm devoting myself to stand with brothers and sisters in unity and declare victory over nations over situations because I know who I believe and I know that I'm walking in a vital relationship with a miracle working God. See, when we devote ourselves to prayer, we are co-laboring with the Lord. We are aligning ourselves with his heart. I'm not devoting myself to a ritual when I devote myself to pray, but I'm devoting myself to an intimate relationship where we communicate with one another. It's a two-way communication. Now there are set aside times to pray and it is good and we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards where we come together corporately and we pray and we call on him. But as a believer, as 
a son and daughter of the king. I can pray anytime, any place, and he always hears me. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. You can know when you pray, even if you might say, well, the ceiling just feels like brass, I'm telling you, he hears you. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. The Passion says, make your life a prayer. Prayer is all about relationship. Prayer is, is diverse. Sometimes, Greg and I will have intense conversations about a situation and we'll look at a situation from different angles and, and we'll figure things out and, we, and we'll talk to each other about it. But there are times when we just speak tenderly to one another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, like, he likes that part. <laughs> Let's get spiritual now. <laughs> we'll... we'll <laughs> We'll, we'll share what, what the Lord is showing us, as, as you do with a spouse or a trusted friend. Sometimes we'll express our pain or our struggles. We'll express our joy to one another. And it's no different in our walk with the Lord. You see, we are devoted to a lifestyle of prayer because we love being with Him. And when, when, when it's like this, we will pray regardless of the circumstances. The circumstances won't dictate our prayer life. We will pray with thanksgiving. Again, just love the testimony to say thank you, Jesus, for the breakthroughs. Other times, we'll pray desperate prayers. We'll share our hearts with him as we see throughout the scripture, Paul, David, and Jesus, and many others. But I love the scripture in Acts 16. This is Paul and, and Silas. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. There's a whole sermon in that scripture. But the restrictions that were placed on them did not stop them from praying. They did not allow the restrictions of this earth to stop them praying and calling out to the Father. Paul's response to being imprisoned was pray. When I first read that, I thought, I wonder if that would have been my first response. He had been beaten, and now his feet were in stocks. But what happened when they prayed? When Paul and Silas prayed together, it led to a sign and wonder of chains being released. David said in Psalm 86, hear my prayer, Lord, listen to my cry. When I'm in distress, I call to you because you answer me. I love the relationship there. He called because he knew he would answer. In Psalm 5, again, he says, consider my groans, pay attention to my cries because I'm praying to you. And then he says, in the morning you hear my voice and I wait expectantly. He had this beautiful relationship with God. Prayer is a weapon. 
Listen to 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, too often we use weapons of the flesh to try and destroy a spiritual stronghold. It doesn't work. But when we use prayer as a weapon, we will see the works of the enemy destroyed. What can we learn from Jesus' prayer life? And you'll see some diverse, a lot of diversity in, in his prayer life. But listen to this quote by S.D. Gordon in his book, Quiet Talks on Prayer. How much prayer meant to Jesus? It was not only his regular habit, but his resort in every emergency, slight or serious. When perplexed, he prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship in prayer, he found it in prayer. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his associates and received his messages upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in body or wearied in spirit, he had recourse to his one unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow unbroken and undiminished. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, and no temptation that would not yield to prayer. You see, Jesus prayed from a very secure place, knowing that his father loved him, knowing that he was accepted and that he was a beloved son. And it was from that place, from that position, that Jesus prayed. Let's look at some of the prayers that he prayed. He prayed for revelation and direction. We can go to the Lord and say, God, I need direction here. I need direction in my job. I need direction with my children. Would you show me what's happening here? Jesus prayed for revelation and direction as to who to choose for his 12 disciples. In Luke 6, one of those days, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples and chose the 12, whom he designated apostles. So he spends the night in prayer. He asks the Father for revelation, who are these men supposed to be, and then he appoints them. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus pouring out his heart to the Father, now, you don't pour out your heart to someone that you don't trust. In Matthew 26, Jesus went with his disciples to Gethsemane. He said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but yours. Some of you here know what it's like to, be, to feel sorrowful to the point of death. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. When you've suffered an extreme loss, you feel that. You feel like, I don't think I'm going to be able to breathe again. Some of you know what that feels like. I think Jesus had some of those emotions, a lot of those emotions, and he went to his father in prayer, and then he said, not as I will, but you 
as you will. So we find him in great sorrow, pouring out his heart to his father. But not my will, but yours. And I, I thought, well, what does that look like for me in prayer? And I think it might look something like this. Lord, that hurts so much, but I will choose forgiveness. I've got no strength left in me, but your mercies are new every morning. I don't know how we're gonna pay these bills, but Lord, I thank you that you are my provider. I don't understand this outcome, but I trust your great faithfulness because your word says that your plans for me are good. You see, we can pour our hearts out to him. It's okay to do that. In fact, do that. But we can declare truth over our lives at the same time because I believe when we do that, it keeps our eyes focused on him in the middle of the storm. Powerful prayers include declaring truth. That's why we wanna be devoted to the apostles' teachings. We wanna be devoted to the word, having the word of God in us so that in those middle of those toughest storms, we can say, but God, this is what you said. Jesus also prayed and saw the heavens opened. And I believe for us, that means that we have access to the spiritual realm. We release the atmosphere of heaven through prayer. Listen to Luke 3. When the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. As he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him. In the Passion Translation, it says, as he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above him and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in a visible, tangible form. You see, we have an open heaven because Jesus rose from the dead and opened the heavens for us. But I do believe that our prayers make way for the manifest presence of God when we just sense the peace of God or the power of God. We've been in meetings where, where, where the presence of God is so rich, the glory of God is there. And I believe when we pray in line with who he is and his word, we make way to experience the manifest presence of God. In Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Manifest your kingdom on earth. In John 17, we see Jesus praying for others before he ascends to the Father. He prays for his disciples, for their protection from evil. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Father, protect them by the power of your name. My prayer is that you take them not out of the world, but that you protect them. You see, we've been given the same authority. You can pray for protection over your children, yeah. over your family, yeah. over your friends. Pray, declare God's protection. In verse 13, we see Jesus praying for joy. He says, I pray that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. See, our prayers have the power to release joy and remove a spirit of heaviness. I love the word that Sheila brought. The Lord is here this morning to remove a spirit of heaviness and to release a spirit of joy in Jesus' name. In verse 17, he prayed that they would live holy lives. 
You see, we can pray for one another that our lives would align with his word. And in verse 22, and he prays for salvation and he prays for unity. You see, our prayers for salvation are powerful. We have authority to call people into the kingdom by our prayers. We get to call in the harvest. And right now, we should be praying and declaring revival over our land. Because that's what has been spoken over and over again. I believe that that we are going to usher in one of the greatest revivals in history. And that's what I'm praying. That's what I'm declaring. James 5.16 says, The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. See, if we really believe that our prayers are powerful and effective, we will devote ourselves to pray. I want to say to you parents and grandparents and spiritual mothers and fathers, devote yourself to pray for the sake of your children. Let's devote ourselves to pray for the sake of the next generation. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Because our prayers seated in victory are powerful to affect their lives. About, it was probably two years ago now, I went to South Africa to help my sister pack up my mom's home and we needed to move her into a care facility. And while we were moving, I found a pile of journals. Some were hers and some were my grandmother's. I didn't bring them all, but this is one of my mother's journals. And I have boxes of them. But all through these journals are prayers that she prayed. She prayed for me, she prayed for my sister, she prayed for our spouses. And I realized when I read the prayers of my mother and my grandmother, I didn't realize how prophetic they were. But I realized that so much of what we're walking in and so much of what God has protected us from is because we had praying parents and grandparents. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Now, you might not find piles of journals of your children because they'll all be on their cell phones. But let me tell you, your prayers for them are powerful and effective. Let's talk a little bit about when I don't know how to pray. Maybe you're sitting here and say, well, my prayer life's not really that great right now. You know, Jesus loves you anyways and you're still seated at his right hand. But I wanna encourage you, just take a few minutes and just give thanks, regardless of how you feel. There's always something to be thankful for. Maybe it's thankful for the roof over my head. Thank you for a meal. Thank you that I have a car to drive. Simple prayers, find something, find one thing that you can be thankful for. I've said this before, but my dear friend Susan Hillis has really taught me that. Thank you, Susan. It doesn't matter what Susan's going on. How are you doing, Susan? I'm thankful. I'm like, Susan, but you know what's going on? I'm thankful. Because Susan will always say thank you to the Lord before she does anything. I thank you for that. You know, thankfulness changes the chemistry in our brain. It changes the way we think. Make, Make it a discipline just to say thank you. And the reality is the word tells us to come into his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts because it's good for us too. 
Start with worship. Maybe just put a worship song on. Just listen to a worship song. Because worship connects us with his heart. Worship connects us to the atmosphere of heaven. Worship can take us from a place of peace, from anxiety to a place of peace, from a place of bitterness to, Lord, I'm gonna choose forgiveness. From hopelessness to hope, just by listening to anointed worship. You see, as we purposely focus on the Lord and his greatness and on his goodness through worship, it changes our mindset. We can go from a place of feeling like a victim to feeling victorious. And then pray the word. Declare the word as you pray because it remains living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. Wield the word in prayer. Pray in tongues. Romans 8.26 says, when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Sometimes we just don't even know where to start, but the Holy Spirit in us does. Be real. Be honest with the Lord. You see, prayer should be a fruit of a loving relationship that we have, a two-way loving relationship. It is not a religious practice. You see, I don't, I don't think there's a formula as to how prayer should look because each relationship is unique. Your relationship with a friend, your relationship with your spouse, with each one of your children, each one is different and it's unique. So how you relate to the Lord is gonna be different from anybody else. <clears throat> but I'll share with you what's helpful for me personally. For me personally, this anchors me and it sets my heart in the right place to start the day in prayer. Now you night owls may be saying that I just cannot do that. My best time is 1 a.m. That's great. It's not my best time. But do what works for you. For me personally, it's like taking a deep breath before the beginning of a busy day. You know, it, it's very easy, especially now, to start the day being fed with anxiety. You know, we can be scrolling through the news as we're waiting for our coffee, and we can start feeling all anxious. Where's this gonna end? What's gonna happen? But then I can, I can get into the scriptures, I can read the word that promises that he will keep me in perfect peace as I keep my eyes on him. Now I can say, thank you, Father, that your peace anchors me today. It's a great place to start the day. Just reading the word, just reading through the Psalms. We did that a little while ago with the ladies. It was such a blessing. Just say, God, what are you saying to me? And underline, highlight what speaks to you. Or look up specific scriptures, pray for them. Sheila encouraged me to do this. She said, what if we've looked up every scripture that said do not fear? And I went ahead and did that, Sheila. Thanks for the homework. <laughs> but it was such a blessing to me to just realize how many times in the word it says do not fear. Now I can start my day saying thank you, Lord, that I don't need to fear because you love me. You promise that you will strengthen me and uphold me with your victorious right hand. That's Isaiah 41.10. Sometimes I just pour my heart out to God because I'm in relationship with him. For me personally, worship is key. I will usually spend a few minutes just listening to a worship song because it puts my focus on the Lord. I was listening to, um, on the new Maverick album, uh, Hymn of the Ages. So I think the seasons will change. I'm gonna forget the words now. Um, the great, um, 
The song, the, great is your faithfulness. The song, the song is the same. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your name. And that has been going around in my mind all week. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your name. The seasons will change, but the song is the same. You see, he's always faithful through every season. But we need, sometimes we just, we need, I personally, I need, I need songs and phrases and scripture because I start to pray that and it starts to come out of my spirit. Something else that I do, and maybe this sounds weird to you, but it works for me, is I'll take a photograph of people that I love, people that I'm standing with in prayer, and I'll put the photograph down, and I'll walk around, and I'll pray and declare promises, declare the word over them, say, thank you, Father, for your favor, thank you for fruitfulness, thank you for blessing, thank you for peace. Right now, we're praying for our nation, and that, that's probably the thing we're praying for the most. And you say, well, how do we do that? Something that Greg and I have been doing, we've just been listening to prophetic words, things that the Lord has said to us, things that he's spoken here at church. We've been listening to prophetic words of, of voices that we trust and just declaring that. The Lord has said, this is a nation dear to his heart. So we're declaring that. Thank you, Lord. This is a nation dear to your heart. Many, many prophetic words have said, this is a year of justice. We've been declaring this. Thank you, Father, for a year of justice. Thank you for your righteousness to reign in our nation. We're declaring the word of God over our nation. One Timothy two says, therefore I want men everywhere to pray. I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. The point is make it work for you, but make a decision to devote yourself to prayer and it will change your life. Your father who loves you with all of his heart has so much to say to you, to encourage you, to strengthen you in your walk with him as you come to him in prayer. And I just wanna remind you that you are positioned today, regardless of how you feel, you are positioned and called to pray prayers of authority that will move mountains, prayers that will heal the sick, prayers that will cast out demons, Prayers that will heal nations. Prayers that will cause the kingdom of God to be manifest in your sphere. You are called and positioned for that. Let's be a people who devote ourselves to pray. Let me say one more thing. If you're sitting here today and you've never accepted Jesus, or this, is just some, or this has not been your life world for a long time, there is a place next to you next to him, seated at his right hand. So I wanna encourage you, we have a ministry team that will be available. Come up, let us pray for you, because this is for everybody. The Lord intended for each one, he died for each one to come. So maybe for you, it's, a, it's an invitation to come back. Maybe it's a first time invitation, but there is a place for you seated at his right hand. God has called you to be devoted to prayer in relationship with him. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you so much. 1 Timothy 2, uh, the scripture says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, thanksgivings, be made for all people, for kings and all of those in authority. 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all holiness and godly. For this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men everywhere to come to a knowledge of the truth. And uh, I just began to, uh, this scripture began to just burden me a little while back. And uh, as, I'm, as we're looking at our country, and uh, there's this moment, uh, I think, that we, we're all seeing. And rather than everybody, because I started to notice everybody was confessing, well, this election, man, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be horrible and vicious. And I suddenly thought, you know, the Bible has an answer for this. The Bible says uh, that we should be praying for our leaders, for kings and everybody in authority. And, and when we start to pray for everybody in authority, we start to live peaceful lives. And so this is not fundamentally just the most important thing you should do is go and vote. The most important thing you should do is you should pray. Um, because Jesus said, he said in Matthew 5, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All around, uh, what I started to do, because I had a burden to pray for our leaders, I started doing up lists of every state. I got the governor, the two senators, and, and House of Representatives. We got, we, the, the, there's 535 members of Congress, and then there's 50 extra governors. This is roughly about 600 people in our country who are the elected officials who we have chosen to lead us. And I just wanted to say, if, if some of you may want to join me in this, but I just want to start mentioning these people in prayer. I just want to take a state. And you can just do that. It didn't take long. Just lift up a state and say, Lord, these people, we, we're praying for you. Say, but, but there are people, you know, there are Democrats, Republicans. You, know, am I, you want me to pray for them? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because that's what the Bible says. Right? The Bible says you should pray for your leaders. And if there's a little green square next to that person, means they're up for re-election right now, this year. And so I just did that. And you can go on the website after this, and you'll, you'll find that document up there. And you can just download it in PDF. You can print it out if you want. But it's just every state uh, and every, every elected official in our country. And I just feel like that between now and the next, you know, in the next couple of weeks, what we need to do is just start to call out to the Lord. Say, Lord, would you, would you do something for our nation? And so some of you, you know, some of you feel like you call yourselves patriots and, and you also feel like you're, you're I'm, I'm a serious believer. Then I want to say, then let's join together and do what the scripture says. That we should pray for kings and everybody who's in authority because that'll lead to peaceful lives from the church. See, Jesus said, when you do this, when you pray for those who hate you, he said that you may be children of your father who's in heaven. <laughs> See, I don't mind if somebody doesn't know the Lord. They can, they can claim to be this or that, or I believe in that, or I believe in that. But I'm, and you are children of our Father in heaven. And we ought to show something different. Right? Our first call is prayer, and let's do something. So I'm just going to say, um, Paul said in Thessalonians, I, I, I always thank God for you and I mention you in my prayers. And you don't have to pray for everybody, but if you just took the state of Georgia and you just said, Father, I'm just praying for the governor. I'm praying for the senators. I'm praying for these representatives. Father, give them wisdom. Father, give them your heart. Father, stir them towards what you want. Would you give them dreams in the night? Would you stir their hearts, Lord? Would you put people around them who speak your word? And I think there's a moment for us as a church. There's a moment for us to do what only we can do. And that's to step into the realm of the Spirit and begin to call out God's blessing and God's wisdom and God's justice. See, see, see the Holy Spirit has an agenda right now in this nation. 
One month before uh, September 11, 2001, I was in a uh, leadership meeting in California, and I'm sitting at the back, and the Lord says, gives me this prophetic word, and He says, I want you to get up in front of all these leaders. It's American church. And He says, I want you to go and say, this is a nation dear to my heart. And I said, Lord, is there anything else? He goes, no, that's the whole word. And so I'm feeling a little foolish because it's a bunch of American pastors. I go, they know, God, they, they, they know this. Why, why? And so I get up and I, I'm kind of feeling a little foolish. And I say to the, the leader of the meeting, I feel like the Lord's giving me a word. And he goes, what is it? And I go, this is a nation dear to my heart. And he's, I can see he didn't think it's much. And uh, so I'm waiting there and he turns around and he hands me the mic. When I take hold of the microphone, I go from just speaking like this to uncontrollable weeping. And I cannot speak. I'm just, I'm now, now he's waiting for me and I'm weeping to the point where I cannot sustain a word. And he says to me, speak up. <laughs> and uh, so after about 90 seconds of this, just standing there weeping, feeling foolish, I managed to sob through, this is a nation dear to my heart, says the Lord. And I hand back the microphone. I walk back to my chair. And when I get back to my chair, I'm perfectly normal again. And I just just wow and about a month later they flew the planes into the World Trade Center and then the, then the church some of the church leaders began to prophesy it's the judgment of God it's God's God hates this nation and because you know and I just in my spirit I'm just going no no this is a nation dear to the heart of God and we may have some challenges but I'll tell you something that God has his hand and there's a dream on this nation because this nation still has a leadership role in this world and there's something that God wants to do. This nation still is one of the most generous nations, still is the greatest missionary sending nation on the planet. There is still something that God's doing through this nation. So this is a nation dear to the heart of God and needs your prayers. So for whatever else happens in the next three weeks in this country, that we should be children of our Father. We're going to be praying especially praying for those we don't like, especially praying for those we don't understand or, or, or don't agree with us. Let's be praying. God, pour your grace, pour your peace, pour your wisdom upon us. Give us a unity. Amen. That document's available on the website. Uh, when you go to the sermon, you can pick it up there. And I'm going to just suggest that you, that you join us and let's, let's do that. In addition, uh, on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, this Tuesday and next Tuesday, there's going to be a pre-meeting on Zoom for this nation. We're just going to pray some of this stuff through. If you'd like to join us, I'd love for you to join us. Uh, you'll be getting an email tomorrow with a Zoom link on it. Uh, if you're a member, if, you, um, if you're not a member, you don't get that email, you can go to the website and you'll see where it says what's happening this week. The link will be up there for you to click on and you can join us at 8 o'clock. We're going to be praying. We'll be leading that and we'll pray for about an hour. We'll pray various issues and we'll, we'll do that and it should be a good time. Now, thank you. Let me just say this further. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, we've had quite a few people laid off, quite a few people furloughed, quite a few people taking a reduction in salary. And um, the church has been able to uh, bless and stand by and support a whole bunch of people. And that's because of your generosity and your kindness. So I just want to say on behalf of the elders and, and just watching it from this side and the stream of money that's coming in, the stream, stream of money that's going out, it's just been such a blessing. So I wanted to honor you. Thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness. Would you continue to do that for us in Jesus' name? Let me pray, and uh, then we're going to say, I'm going to hand back to Nathan, and we'll, we'll do the words of knowledge, but let's pray together. Father.
Give us your heart for your people. In Jesus' name. Give us, Lord, a burden for this nation so that we can do what only we can do. Only your people, Lord, could pray the peace of God, could release the kingdom of God. And so, Father, we're praying that you would do something in our nation in our day that nobody would have believed if we'd have told them. Do something, Lord, that everybody looks and says, that must have been God. This is a nation dear to your heart, Father. Do something profound in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 So watch for the email. Uh, we get to be doers of the word and not just hearers because we are devoted to prayer. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to, to put that into action uh, Tuesday night at 8, and we'll do that this week and next week heading up to the election uh, so that we can be active in uh, not only what we've heard, but be active in doing it. Um, if uh, you're interested in coming and being a part of this uh, in fabulous crowd that is here today, uh, there are a few seats available next week, so you can go to northlands.church slash doors open, and you can register for the following week at that same extension as well, because we would love to have you in person. We're glad if you're at home in your living room. We're glad if you're here. It is good for us as a church to be able to gather. Uh, if this is your first time with us here in the building uh, and you'd like to, to say hello, meet a leader, we'd love to hear a little of the story of what led you here, uh, we'll be in the lobby and we would love to be able to say hello to you. Uh, one of the things that we do every week, one of the things that I think is uniquely a Northlands Church thing and how we do this is that we have a ministry team that meets and they pray and they just seek God. God, what do you want to do and how do you want to work? And as they listen, those words that come to their mind, those words of knowledge, they write them down. And at the end of the service every week, we put them on the screen. They'll be on the screen at home. And we just invite you to, to stop and look at that list. And, and if God stirs your heart and says, hey, I, I think maybe that's me, we would love to pray with you. If you're here in the building, you can come and you can wait, wait in, in line and, and we'll have the ministry team here and they'll be glad to pray in person. Uh, if you're online, you can go to northlands.church forward slash prayer request. Fill that out and we will connect with you to pray on the phone uh, wherever it is that you are. Uh, if you don't see a, a word that, that really tugs at you, but you need prayer, you want to respond in some way, don't let that hinder you. You didn't see something, get Get at it, right? Because we want to pray with you. This is a practice uh, that we do, and we'd be glad to partner with you. Church, it's so good to be able to be together, to be able to pursue God, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. There'll be more next week. Excited about that. Hope to see you. Have a great week. Goodbye.